0: Come on, Chris. No one but you notices these municipal things. Stop dwelling on the distractions. They're not mad at you. You're the leader. Perks of the position. You have to preach. No, 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 no. You get to preach. Yeah, that's right. This is the gospel, the power of God. I wonder if that heater came back on this week. Why did it go out? We were up here on a Saturday. It was working. Man, I'm glad I got that space heater. Wait, do we need a heater today? We have water baptism. Oh my goodness, I hope somebody put the heater in the water baptismal tank. Well, that'll be one worth remembering. Lord, I've been doing this for a decade. Why do I get so anxious? Am I anxious or am I excited? Oh my goodness, I'm sweating. Is my wife cold right now? Seriously, she's cold? She's so cute though. God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Keep people awake today. Let this message minister to somebody. God save somebody, help me to be efficient. Don't let me get distracted again. All right, the video's almost over. Where's my Bible? Is my mic turned on? Is it on or off? I can't see the green button. I can't see, okay, it's on, it's on. Turn your iPad on. Turn your, why's the code not, okay, it's on, I'm good. All right, let's go. Jesus, it's a privilege to preach to your people. Have your way in me. Well, good morning and thank you for being here. At 8 o'clock in the morning, man, you make it worth having. Who wants to just show up and pray at 8 o'clock when we could have a service with about 100 people? Hey, we're in a transitional week. We just finished up a series called Can I Contend? If you missed that series, we worked hard on it. It was really just an exposition of 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, at the end of that chapter, uh, next week we're going to go into a brand new series we're calling Rise Up and Build. This is the preparation An expectation to Resurrection Sunday, we are believing God in six services in one weekend. Help us, Jesus. Six services in one weekend to have the greatest harvest of souls that this church in Jesus' name, this city and the surrounding area have ever seen before. And we believe that God has called you to be a part of that. Today, I want to take advantage of this transitional Sunday and just in a standalone message, speak to what I believe is the greatest battle that we face. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of hints as you discern with me, and I'm just going to be completely honest. This was a really difficult message for me to write. For one... um, it took a lot more resource and study uh, even than I would normally have to. I have double digits worth of hours just into, in this one message. And, uh, and I don't just sit around all week and write sermons. So um, it was difficult for me. I, I, was, I spent about an hour and a half thinking through this message at one point, And I realized um, I had another meeting that I had to get to. And, and I had my sermon written in my head, but on paper, I had one scripture and I realized how far behind I was. To give you a hint, what I believe the greatest battle we face, uh, the average human has a thought every 10 seconds, every 10 seconds. Um, on the low end, that's, that's about 6,500 6, or 6,500 thoughts um, per day. If you're an analytical type, hi, I'm Chris, that's 10,000 or more, way over 10,000 thoughts per day. The average adult, listen to this, this is interesting. The average adult makes 35,000 decisions every day, 35,000 decisions. I want you to notice you had 10,000 thoughts, but, but you make 35,000 decisions. Um, there's a discrepancy there of about 25,000 decisions. You know what that means? It means that we make a lot of decisions without even thinking about it, without even having any concern. Some of them are subconscious and, and some of them are just routine and some of them are just behavioral patterns that we've set up that we make decisions out of. This three pounds of matter with the consistency of butter, has a hundred billion neurons—not morons, but neurons. A um, hundred billion guys—that's that's more stars—that's more stars than are in the Milky Way galaxy. You have a hundred billion neurons. Each neuron has the ability to send a thousand synapses or reactions per second. Each neuron sends a 1,000 synapses per second to 10,000 other neurons. The brain, just the brain, uses 20% of the body's energy every day. You ever wonder how you could just be sitting down all day long in a conference, in a classroom, at a computer? You're not even moving around. You're not exerting any energy. You're just listening or studying or or learning or whatever that may be. And, And all of a sudden, at the end of that day, you haven't even done anything, but you're exhausted. It's because the brain is an energy hog. And it's also, by the way, the most complex creation in all of the cosmos. See, it would be really difficult. It's unreasonably difficult for me to believe that my brain evolved from pond scum. Winning the war in your mind is a new book that caught our attention that is viraling through social media right now. It's a book by Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church up in Oklahoma. The subtitle is Change Your Thinking and Change Your Life. I, I highly recommend this book. We're not going to do an entire series on this. As you can see right there in the middle, it's actually where we grabbed our graphic for the day. And we didn't steal it, we have access, we have permission through accounts that we have access to, to use that graphic and, and make it our own. And they actually encourage that. If you're if you're like me and you, you're not mu- really as big of a reader as maybe a listener, you can listen. He's only two weeks into this series on this book. He wrote the book and now he's teaching the series. And it's actually a really good supplement to this one message that we're gonna do. And we'll probably come back to it before too long. This is a quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle's book. He says, This most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. According to cognitive behavior psychology, we begin to see where science and scripture can agree and align. Cognitive behavior psychology says that the battle of depression begins in your mind, and so does the victory. The battle of anxiety begins in your mind. The battle of of lust begins in your mind. James, James says... The process shows us in James chapter one, it was important enough that he puts it right there in about the 15th verse. He says that we're not tempted by God, we're actually led away by our own temptation, enticed by our own desires. And when the desires are conceived, when in other words, when we begin to think on those temptations, when we begin to meditate on those temptations, then they are conceived and they begin to become incubated. And ultimately, it gives birth to sin, that sin, when full grown, leads to death. You can see the process all began with a thought. The battle of addiction, alcoholism, overeating, anorexia, gluttony, the battle of envy, the battle of comparison. The battle of insecurity. The battle of sorrow, sadness, sickness. The battle begins in our mind. Renowned evangelist and author, a lady of much discernment and yet much controversy at times. Joyce Meyer wrote a book a few years ago called The Battlefield of the Mind. The Battlefield of the Mind. Again, another great resource if you're interested in supplementing and learning and growing on your own here. She said this uh, in a matter of speaking. I can look at someone's attitude and recognize what they think on. I can look at someone's attitude and recognize what they think on. You may want to add this to your notes. I I actually have seen that when you begin to think on something, it affects your attitude and ultimately your attitude affects your actions. So if you can change what you meditate on, then you can affect how you, in other words, if you can change what you believe, then you can impact how you behave. But it doesn't start with behavior modification. You're starting at the wrong end of the scale and the spectrum. You need to go back to what you believe and what you think on and then address your attitude. Come on, you can't be anointed and have an attitude. That's not how that works out. You can't be annoyed and frustrated and be anointed and fulfilled. You've got to choose one. you got to choose one. I can look at your attitude. I can tell you what you're thinking on every day. Um, Proverbs 23, 7, you know this one, New King James Version. It says this, as a man thinks, so he is. Um, Your thought life determines your actual life. Again, another quote from winning the war uh, in your mind. What we think determines who we become. I truly believe that. Um, I truly believe that what my children think will determine what they become. I, I believe that what you believe is reflected in how you behave. So in other words, if you think you can't, then you probably won't. If you understand that you're called and you're equipped, then when the enemy begins to whisper in your ear, you will begin to speak back in his face that my God said I can do, not to benefit myself, but to benefit the kingdom. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you dwell on your problems, then your problems will overwhelm you. If you fall subject to this entitlement victimhood society that everybody owes you something and you're really just a product of your environment. You are a victim of falsehood. You are a victim of bad upbringing you are a victim of your surround you are a victim of your past then whenever people don't live up to your expectations you will succumb to a mentality that you weren't created to operate in and therefore you will not operate at all so if you believe you're a victim then you will be But if you understand that every issue is actually an opportunity, even the issues that we don't like, even the issues that are going on in our current culture right now, this cancellation and cancer and shame and issues that we have going on, if you see as the church, this is an opportunity to shine the light of God the brightest in the darkness that I can believe that I'm not just a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, my Lord. There is no weapon formed against me that shall The difference in my destiny is found in what I deliberate, my thoughts. The greatest battle that we face is our thought life. What are you thinking about? That's what you're becoming. The Apostle Paul was a thought the Apostle Paul was a thought warrior. He wrote this to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Let me read that in the New Living Translation. This is why I normally just go with the New Living Translation. Um, we are human That's what he says. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. In other words, we don't fight fire with fire and evil with evil. That's not what we do. We don't wage war as humans do. Watch what he says, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not human. They're not physical. But they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, the Corinthians would have understood this in their cultural terms. The the Roman Empire, specifically the Roman military, they would set up strongholds in which their generals and centurion soldiers could go to. These strongholds would have towers in the middle and they would have walls all around. These strongholds would be sometimes 20 feet deep and 20 feet high and it would keep the enemy From coming in and it would keep the soldiers from going out and Paul says I know if you can see these physical strongholds in the spiritual we're not waging war against physical enemies guys we're not waging war against physical enemies right now and our weapons of warfare are not carnal in nature in other words they're not guns and knives although I like my guns and I like my knives They are divine in power and able to tear down, break down, abolish every single stronghold. Unless we're allowing the enemy to build the stronghold in our mind. See, now it's not everybody else's fault. What is the enemy? The enemy is not just Lucifer. In other words, you don't get to just blame all your bad habits on the devil. Okay? That's a Christian cop-out. That makes us, that makes us sound weak. Okay? If, if you're going to blame all your problems on the devil, then tell people you go to church somewhere else. <laughs> because I, the last time I checked, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and well in me. So I don't get to blame the devil on my evil. I have three enemies one is my flesh see I unfortunately wake up myself every morning and I can't deliver myself of myself you can't deliver a disciple come on but you can't disciple a demon because we have another enemy and it is the world in which we live this saturated Society full of sin everywhere you look, whether you wanted to see it or not. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you... (laughs) It's everywhere. It's an enemy. And then our third and final enemy is the powers and principalities of darkness. We wage war against all three. And the enemy, our flesh... Remember, God is not tempting you, James says. You are led away by your own sinful nature and you are tempted by your own desires. You enticed. And the enemy will come in, whether it be our flesh or the world or the enemy himself. The enemy will come in and he will plant a thought. And now it is our choice to meditate on this thought. And to allow it to physically manifest. See, the enemy will take advantage of the footholds that we provide. In other words, every little thing that we say has substance. It's a divine echo of what we're thinking on and what we're conceiving. And when the enemy hears a foothold, he and the powers and principalities of darkness will come in and take that foot and begin to force it open and turn the foothold that we allowed to exist in our minds, ultimately manifest in our lives, and it will become a stronghold. One thought at a time. One thought creates a synapse, a thousand per second, that send out to 10,000 other neurons and ultimately develop patterns. It ultimately develops patterns in our thinking. So it looks like this. If you can see way back, if you can on camera right now, synapse patterns. And now you're automatically led to think this way. Every time you smell that. Every time you go there. Every time you see that. Whatever you did in the past that released a rush of dopamine and endorphins into your system. That synthetic that you've been seeking. You now have a pattern and your brain recognizes it and wants to send you down that trail. And Paul says... We don't wage war physically, verse 5, but we destroy. Watch what he says, arguments. Now, that's interesting. And every lofty opinion. See, arguments and opinions, hear me, are just amplifications of desires and meditations. Did you get that? Arguments. The mouth is just an amplification of the heart. And the heart is subject to the head. So the argument and the opinion that is coming out of your mouth or their mouth, it's really just an amplification of what they've been meditating on. It's really just an amplification, the words that are coming out of your mouth. So when you wake up in the morning and you're frustrated and you're angry and you begin to take out your uh, not-already day on the people around you, it's really just an amplification of what you were meditating on the previous day. Arguments and lofty opinions. Raised up against, watch this, the knowledge. The knowledge of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, The Spirit searches all things and knows all things, even the deep things of God. Before that passage, it says, The person, the thoughts and the knowledge of the person is the spirit of the person. You can recognize this knowledge by recognizing this spirit. So Paul says take captive every thought and make it obedient unto Christ because it's really just a verbal amplification because it's going to affect your attitude and ultimately it's going to affect your actions. If you believe, man, I just can't trust anyone, then you won't trust anyone. If you believe I'll never succeed, then you will never succeed. If you believe, I'm always going to be broke. There's no way out of this. I can never have a good marriage. It doesn't. Sign, it doesn't matter if they still have half of openings in their marriage conference, and eighty people could sign up this week before they're even almost full. I I, I can't. I can't did you see that shameless plug I just did right there. It's important enough to preach on. Somebody said, <laughs> "Never. I can never be good enough. God doesn't hear my prayers. My prayers are hitting the ceiling and slapping me in the face. God doesn't care. Nobody cares. The pastor." doesn't care. The staff doesn't care. The church doesn't care. I'm always alone. I'll never amount to anything. What you believe will affect how you behave. And Paul says, quit with the stinking thinking. Take captive every thought and make it obedient. Why? Because when you make your thought life obey Jesus, then the rest of your life will learn to obey Jesus. Our evangelist, Joyce Meyer, she calls these evil forebodings. She actually references, not in your notes, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15. You can write this down. You can go look at it later. It essentially says, the oppressed carry nothing but wretchedness. When you're oppressed, everything feels wretched. But but the heart, the cheerful heart, watch this, is a continual feast. The cheerful heart is a continual feast. Neuroscientist, God-fearing author, and I believe leader in this field of study where science and scripture can begin to align, and I'll show you how much they align in just about 15 minutes. Dr. Caroline Leaf, some of you ladies may recognize her name if you went to the SHINE conference just a couple of years ago um, at CT Church, Dr. Caroline Leaf was the uh, main speaker for one of the sessions. She is a neuroscientist. In other words, she's way smarter than most of us. Um, you, can go to, you can go to YouTube, actually, and you can see an interview of her with Pastor Stephen Furtick at Elevation Church. Now listen, just because I, I quote Craig Groeschel or I quote Joyce Meyer or, I, or I, I make a reference to Elevation Church, guys, it doesn't mean that I believe everything that they teach. Okay, You remember I told you last week, test everything that is said. That is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Hold on to what is good. There's some good things out there in the name of Jesus, even though they may be confused or they may be a little conflicted or we may disagree on some doctrinal differences. That's okay because I can test everything that is said. I can hold on to what is good. And I started listening to this. And it may be why I only had one scripture after about an hour and a half. I could not turn this off. It's about 40-something minutes of, of Pastor Stephen doing nothing but adding some amusement and attention in and asking a couple of questions, and Dr. Caroline Leaf dropping bombs on my thought life messing me up. She references in this, in this video, she references Jesus in the garden. See, we think that taking every thought captive and making obedient unto Christ just means denial. So if I'm sad, I just deny my sadness. If I'm depressed, I just deny my depression. If I'm anxious, I just deny. No, no, no. It's not denial that we need. It's dealing with it. See, Paul doesn't say that you would just have the ability to deny every thought. He says you would have the ability to deal with every thought in Jesus. Not on your own. You can't do that on your own. You you will lose. But in Jesus' name, you have this ability. I love what Dr. Caroline Leaf called what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. She called it freaking out in the love zone. Um, You heard a glimpse of of me freaking out in the love zone three times every week. And that's just a snippet of what sometimes takes place within five minutes of me walking up on the platform. Um, When I first came over four and a half years ago, and I'm not going to mention any, I was literally walking up to the pulpit to preach. Someone ran in here, came down the middle aisle, grabbed me and said, there's a leak in the nursery. And I was like, well, let me leave and go fix it right now. (laughs) What am I supposed to do about it? This detoxing of your mind, this freaking, it's not denying your thoughts, it's dealing with them. It's not denying your emotions. It's dealing. It's taking them to God. Well, Jesus was freaking out. He was sweating blood yeah. over what he believed was about to happen. He was sweating blood. Oh, hey, by the way, oh, I don't have time, but I got to. Everywhere that Jesus shed blood is a place that you have authority in. So when Jesus shed blood over his anxiety, it means that he gained the power over that anxiety. And so when you begin to fear, all you have to do is remember, not today, devil, my Savior already shed blood over that. I don't have to do anything but plead the blood. Because there's still power. All right, I got to get back to my nose. Man, whoo, that's... You have a thought every 10 seconds. So here's what Dr. Caroline Leaf says. You need to start thinking about what you're thinking about. Let that simmer. Well, that takes too much effort. No, you're thinking it anyways. You may as well take the time to evaluate to think about what you're thinking about. The apostle Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. You know what I think he's saying? I think he's saying, examine whether that thought is flesh or faith. Examine, take captive every thought. Guys, this is not a biblical request. This is a mandate for mature living. Oh, that takes too much effort. Then fall, continue to succumb because Christianity is not a crutch for weak people. Come on, it's a cross for somebody willing to bear. That's what this is. Think about what you're thinking about. Dr. Caroline Leaf says, there's really only two ways to think. This is a neuroscientist. This is not Chris's opinion. There's really only two ways to think. You can have toxic thoughts or you can have healthy thoughts. And it's completely up to you. See, we don't let society steal what Scripture's been saying for thousands of years. This is not a self-help sermon. This is a scriptural sermon. Positive thinking. No, 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 no. Thinking like Jesus. That's what we're talking about today. Acting like Jesus. Following the example of Jesus. And you have two options when you wake up in the morning. You have two options when somebody says something ignorant to you. You have two options when this fallen world begins to fall apart. You can begin to think and believe toxically, which will ultimately cause you to have a bad attitude, a toxic attitude, and toxic actions, or you can take every thought captive and you can start dealing with it in the name of Jesus. Up until the 1990s, y'all buckle your seatbelt, fix all trays in the upright position. We're beginning our descent up until the 1990s God gave me that this morning just to wake a couple of people up listen neuroscientists believed that our brain was fixed once it was formed in other words simple terms the brain was unchangeable that is what neuroscience believed up until the 1990s according to her own testimony In a TED Talk, I I watched a lot of Dr. Caroline Leaf this past week. In a TED Talk on YouTube, according to our own testimony, Dr. Caroline Leaf was one of the people who led the way in this field of study because there was just something unsettled in her spirit that science believed that the brain was unchangeable and fixed. In our Conquer series... We learn a lot about the brain. We we as men we pursue this battle plan for purity because it is the secret assassin that I believe is taking out husbands, taking out men of God in the church and it's manifesting publicly. The enemy will allow you to hide something until you get to your greatest level of influence and then he will expose who you've always been just to bring everybody down that you've had influence with. And so in our in our conquer Series, we learned that the limbic system that is the system that's the emotional brain if you will it's the pleasure center of the brain. It actually fully develops at around the age of five or six. So you learn how to deal with your uh, uh, you, you learn how to respond to emotions it's that that fight, flight or there's a third one. It's not just fight or flight. There's a freeze. And if you've never seen freeze, that's the funniest. It's when you scream at somebody and they go, (laughs) you know, there's no fight, there's no flight. They just, (laughs) it's the freeze mechanism. And that's where you learn in the limbic system. This is the pleasure center. This is actually where you learn at an early age to seek the synthetic over the authentic. It's where a child learns, I want the Snickers. My, oh, I don't know if it was one of our children or, or my sister or brother. I just remember, ning, ning, that meant candy. That's all that child ever wanted. Ning, 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 why? Because the limbic system shot a synapse that formed a pattern that that synthetic fructose was better than that strawberry. That what we could create sent a blast of synthetic dopamine that created a pattern that formed our behavior at an early age. It's emotional. It's where we learn to react. And the Prefrontal cortex is what God put in our brain to battle that limbic system, that emotional brain. I see. I know a lot of Christians. They only learn to live for Jesus in their limbic system. They only learn to live for Jesus in their emotional brain, in their pleasure center. In other words, if it doesn't please them, then they don't live for him. In other words, if it doesn't minister to them, then they're not ministering to anybody else because church is obviously about where they are most ministered to. That's the limbic system. It develops at five years old. The prefrontal cortex develops at around 25 years old. The prefrontal cortex, you could call it the reasonable brain. It's where we would develop the ability to make sound decisions. It's where we... Develop the ability to have a a sense of morality. Insurance companies actually know this scientific fact. It's why a 24-year-old cannot drive a 15-passenger van and be insured. Because a 24-year-old's ability to reason and make sound decisions has not fully developed. The prefrontal cortex is not guiding the—hear me, the prefrontal cortex, the reasonable brain, is not guiding the decision-making process. The one that developed at five and six years old is still making the decisions. The synthetic is still making the decision. The addiction is still making the decision. The emotion is still making the decision. Listen, parents, parents, grandparents, guardians, that is why it's not a good idea— to give teenagers and children access to things that you know would have hurt you at their age. That's ignorant. Well, I had to make my mistakes too. Well, congratulations on passing your mistakes down to the next generation for them to have to heal from the same scars caused by the same consequences of the things that you should have already learned. You don't give a child... Anybody under the age of 25 without a fully developed ability to reason, you don't give them more freedom than you give responsibility and expect them to make the right decision. They're not going to make the right decision. Let me give you an example. In our house, we teach our children, 10, 8, 6, in our house, what I can't do with another woman, you can't do with somebody that's not your husband or wife. In other words, if it's a sin for me to just kiss somebody that's not mama, it's a sin for you. If it's fallenness for me, if it would look weird if I were sitting in here by myself with another woman that's not my wife, then I better not walk into this living room and find you sitting with somebody else you that's not your spouse. If I don't get to go places, why? Because I have a, a fully developed prefrontal cortex and I still make the wrong decisions sometimes. And so do you. Well, that'll never work in this culture. I'm not trying to work in this culture. I'm trying to mold and make some individuals that will stand up for the truth no matter what else is going on, have biblical standards in a society with no sense of morality. That's what I'm working on. Up until the 1990s, they thought this was fixed. They thought that once the brain developed these synapses and patterns, that it was stuck. That is the way that it was going to stay. Once the brain was damaged, it couldn't be healed. Dr. Caroline Leaf was one of the leaders in the spirit saying there's something wrong with this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. See... You may want to write this down. I said it on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, um, which we have every week, by the way. Um, If you ask me when we're going to have Wednesday night services again, I'm going to ask you to show me your notes on the Wednesday night studies that I've been teaching and recording every week. When are you going to take a friend to coffee and watch the service that we stream across the Internet from anywhere at any time? A couple of weeks ago, I said this. I said, God has a however for everything that happens. Some of you need to write that down and remember it. For everything that happens, God has a however. There is a however moment around the corner if you'll just keep walking. There is a however moment around the corner if you'll just keep believing. Up until the 1990s, science believed that the brain was fixed. However, however in the 1990s and the early 2000s this thought this idea began to develop called neuroplasticity this was the idea that the brain was pliable it was the idea that this 3 pounds of matter with the consistency of butter could be formed and molded and changed that that you could create new synapses that develop new patterns. Isn't it interesting that Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and I chose the new international version of this passage on purpose because the original Greek word speaks to the first five words of this verse. And the best definition actually includes the word pattern. Paul said, do not conform any longer to the patterns. The patterns that you developed as a five and six-year-old in the synapses and the pleasure center in the emotional brain do not conform any longer to the patterns of your worldly ways. The former man, the unbeliever, the destructive spirit do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By what? By the renewing. Up until the 1990s, neuroscience said that the brain was fixed. Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, who said, I will teach you all things, I will remind you of all things, and I will tell you of the things that are yet to come. Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, told science 2,000 years ago that the brain was transformable and could be renewed On a daily basis, that new synapses could replace old patterns and form new ways of thinking that would ultimately affect the way that the person behaves. Because then, once you develop new patterns and you stop conforming, then, by the transforming renewal of your mind, the place where the greatest battle occurs, then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. You can't do that as a teenager without guidance and oversight. You're not created to be alone and make decisions on your own. You were created to learn from the wisdom of a multitude of counsel test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So I say this, we need to fix this. We need to win this battle. If I only had one ch- I'm speaking to you today, not as a pastor, but as an evangelist that only has one opportunity. I'm speaking to you today as if this was the only message that I had to preach And I wanted to leave you with this and I wanted to leave you hungry because the Bible says that only he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. And we've been hungering and thirsting and seeking after a whole lot of synthetic and unnatural things. And so we do not have the cognitive ability to appreciate the natural design of God for marriage, the natural design of God for relationship, the natural design of God for worship, the natural Natural design of God for entertainment. You can put whatever you want to in that phrase and understand that as long as we seek the synthetic we will never be fulfilled by the authentic because fantasy can never measure up to reality. It will always leave us wanting. But, then it, but when, when, when fantasy is where we focus then reality is what we miss. Neuroplasticity. John the Baptist came from the wilderness saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word means to change your mind. Jesus has come and he is coming back. John the Baptist said, stop with the stinking thinking. Rebuke that thought. Take every thought captive. Make it obedient unto Christ. Repent. Change your mind. How do we do that? By fasting. By fasting our addictions, by fasting our lust, by fasting our desires, by fasting the gluttony, the envy, the comparison, the insecure. I'm fasting it. I'm going on a 21-day. I'm going on a 40-day Lent fast. That I'm not going to continue to connect to these things and expect them not to affect the rest of these things. I'm going to disconnect from that desire. I'm going to disconnect from that website. I'm going to disconnect from that app. Have I hit you where your habitations are exhibiting themselves right now? I'm going to fast and disconnect from that thing. And then I'm not just going to remove things that don't need to be there. I'm not just going to repent and change what I was thinking. I'm going to replace those things. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to begin to reconnect I'm going to begin to reconnect the way that I was created to connect. In reality, hungering and thirsting after righteousness for his name's sake so that I can actually experience the fulfillment for which I was created. I'm going to pray and reconnect to God the Father. I'm going to freak out in the love zone if I have to. I'm going to stop just denying these things. I'm going to start dealing with these things in the name of Jesus. And then I'm going to worship. Why? Because I'm going to start confirming the new patterns that God is developing. I'm going to start praising him for the new patterns that he is placing in my mind. I'm going to start thanking him for the new synapses that are shooting themselves out to all the neurons across my mental capacity that is transforming not just who I am, but how I behave. Joshua said it this way. Again, I'm so glad that science has kept up with has caught up with scripture. Eastern transcendentalism doesn't get to steal meditation and call it theirs. Joshua said, keep this book of the law. Keep this book always on your lips. In other words, you should be talking about this book. You should be considering this book. You should be discussing, deliberating, and demanding this book. Keep this book of the law always on your... Meditate on it day and night. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm chapter 1 verse... How important is your brain? How important are your thoughts? Every main figure in Scripture has spoken to this subject. The psalmist writes in the first verse, recorded in the first book... Blessed is the one who walks not in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. He considers. He deliberates. He focuses. He takes care. He's thinking about what he's thinking about. John chapter 8. The landing gear's been out. Somebody help me sound more spiritual. <laughs> Jesus said this if, and, and, there's a different version on the screen. This is how I remember it. Jesus said, if, if you continue, if... somebody, You need to circle and highlight that if. I, I don't need to go down that trail. I, but, but there are if-then statements in Scripture. In other words, there are some things that only happen in Scripture if you operate in them. If... He says to the believers, by the way, if you continue in my word, if you continue or hold fast to what is good, then you are really my disciples. If you do not, like if that statement is true, then the opposite is true as well, which means if you do not, then you are not. This was a convicting scripture for me. In other words, if you continue to conform to the patterns of this world, you're probably not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't operate in the will of God because you don't know what it is. But if, if you will continue in my word, then, then you are really my disciples. Watch this. Then you will know. Knowledge. Knowledge. The greatest battle you ever face, then you will know the truth. You will believe appropriately, and therefore, instead of being led by your lust out of your limbic system, come on, you will be led out of his will and his morality and his plan and his purpose and his reason from your prefrontal cortex down, in other words, your feelings will start following. Um, guys, this is too good not to preach. You see, well, I could do a whole series on this, but I want to make you hungry. You go study. You have to fight this battle. And when you continue in his word, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I've got two minutes. Why does he have butter and a sword? This is actually a letter opener. It's in Pastor Weston's office. This is, actually, this is actually for the emails he doesn't like. I wish somebody would. We used this a little while back. This is how we like to live. Wait, I forgot to turn it on. Pleasure center. Emotion. Make me feel better. Make me a sandwich. I want to order it here and get it up there. Yeah, synthetic overload, hyperactive emotionalism, excessivism, lust when nobody's looking, excessive amounts of dopamine shot through my body. Here's the problem. You can only operate like this for so long because your bottle can only hold so much. And can you imagine what this would do to the brain? It ruins it. But God, remember Paul said, take every thought captive. I love this. That word captive, it means to capture. How do you capture an enemy? You capture an enemy with a weapon. See, go back up to the top of the scripture and remember that your weapons of warfare are not physical. They're not human weapons but they're divine in power and able to abolish and break down, destroy every stronghold, every thought, every pattern, every desire. See when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he remembered what he said to the Ephesians. He had written that in the armor of God, you have a helmet of salvation. Help me, Holy Spirit. You have a belt of truth and you have a breastplate of righteousness. You have a shield of faith that you can pick up and stand in front of the darts of the enemy, the darts of the world and the darts of your flesh. You can put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so that you can run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint, but you only have one weapon in the entire armor of God. You only have one thing that can help you win the war, that can cause you to capture every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. Here's what I'm saying. Every time that the enemy begins to tell you, you can't get it done and you form a pattern, you let the word of God come in and smooth that pattern back out. And then you remind yourself in the spirit that the Bible says I can be content no matter my circumstances, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Every time that there is a weapon formed against you, you remind the enemy that no weapon can prosper in the presence of my father. I get to freak out in the love zone. I don't just have to deny it. I can deal with it. Every time that the devil begins to tell you that not worthy and you're insecure and you're unattractive. You remind him that my daddy knew me when he knit me together in my mama's womb. He knew me before the day of creation and in him, I was created for his glory in his image. And he was making me fearfully and wonderfully before you knew what to say to me. When you begin to become miserable and unhappy, then you say in the spirit and you begin to amplify it in the physical. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, for in his presence is fullness of joy. I don't have to be happy in order to be joyful. You remind the enemy when you begin to feel alone and in despair like other people have been exiling you, that you have a friend in Jesus, and he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he made a promise that he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you, and if you will continue in his word, then you are his disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. When you Begin to feel like you are entitled to something that you have not earned, you remember that there was nothing that you could have done in order to earn the love of God, except that he looked down from heaven and say, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. So I am not a victim, I am more than a conqueror, I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. So, you may give me some thoughts of fear and you may give me some thoughts of anxiety, but greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. And I will take every thought captive. I will develop new synapses that create new patterns that renew my mind and transform my life for the sake of the kingdom of God. We landed the plane. We're late, but we landed. Y'all pray for me. I don't know if I can do that three more times, two more times. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know who they are right now. Lord, if there's anybody in here that has a thought life that's been controlling them instead of them controlling their thought life. Jesus, I pray right now that they would take that captive and make it obedient. Every follower of Jesus would begin to deal with the things that are causing them. Anxiety, fear, insecurity, lust. God, help us to deal with it. Help us to never assume, but to be anointed. Lord, for anybody in this place right now or anybody watching online who doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray right now that you would speak through your Holy Spirit. You would give them ears to hear and a heart to receive. Lord, save them right now. Save them right now. If that's you, And you need to confess Jesus as Lord today. I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are. Whether you're in the room, you're watching online, live or later. If that's you, the church is praying for you right now. We've been praying for you since 630 this morning. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you need to stop going in your own direction and living by your emotions and your own pleasures and your own sinful desires so that you're not led down that path of destruction, but he makes your way straight. You walk through the small gate and down the narrow road that leads to life. Come on, if that's you, open your hands right where you are. Church, I want to invite you to pray loud so that anybody that needs to pray this prayer will pray out loud. Help us right now, Holy Spirit. Let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen, I've doubted, I've been disobedient. Save me, cleanse me. I repent I change my mind I believe you died on the cross you shed your blood you paid for my sin you made a way you have a however for everything that happens you were raised from the dead I can be born again made new just like you so take my life my thoughts my desires Make them yours. I believe you gave your life so I could live. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.